episode 103, if my maths is correct, of The Cool Room. Uh, it's our last episode for September 2021. What a month it's been. We're really looking forward to October 2021 as well. And uh, if you wanted to learn more about what we've got planned, make sure you're following us on Facebook. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. And uh, you'll be able to learn more about just some amazing events, particularly if you're in Melbourne or Australia more generally. Uh, we're shipping beers out uh, for a number of overseas guests and some local ones as well, which is going to be a fantastic October. But let's not worry about October. It's the 30th of September. Uh, my architect has spent most of his day extolling the virtues of ceiling windows to me. And anyone who's a friend of the podcast for any length of time knows that means Travis Bristow. I've been thinking about you all day. How are you, brother? I'm very well, David. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm... I'm more interested in knowing that you've been thinking about me, hopefully in a good way, and hopefully I had all my clothes on while I was in your thoughts. So You, you uh, were, mate. And, um, and, and now that we've been reviewing tonight the... Uh, the Melbourne Demons gift shop uh, online after your team's magnificent AFL grand final victory. Do you reckon they have ceiling windows in the Melbourne Football Club uh, online gift shop? Uh, well, we did determine that they have cheese boards, which are apparently sold out. Uh, ceiling windows, I mean, you, you can't live in the southeastern suburbs without ceiling windows or the western suburbs without ceiling windows. So I think it's... They need to do something about that. Maybe embossed with uh, with the demon's logo or something. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we've got our co-host Warren Wu in the room. More excitingly, even than Warren, as exciting as he is, and the fact that he's in early is exciting. We've also got Casey from Westside Aleworks. We do. We do. Uh, welcome to the cool room, Casey. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Um, we are, we're going to kick things off and... Uh, talk about some awesome beers. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is the, the Cherry Bronze, which I've just cracked open, which tastes absolutely amazing. But before we get on to talking about the actual beer, for those in the Zoom room tonight and for those listening to the podcast uh, down the track when I get this out in about four days' time, can you paint us a bit of a picture on uh, where you guys are uh, give us a bit of an idea. We have a, a lot of international listeners as well, so it'd be cool to to get an insight on on all things Westside Aleworks. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, first of all, ironically, uh, the first beer isn't really uh, Westside Aleworks 100%. It's kind of a, a joint venture between me and another brewery I started um, called Eda Brew. Um, but to give you an idea of where we're located, uh, you wouldn't know we're there, even if you're on the, the next street over. Uh, we're really tucked away on a small laneway in, in South Melbourne. Um, 
And uh, we've been there kind of trading since 2016, but um, the whole West Side reference, I know some people are, are definitely confused when our location is South Side and we're called West Side Aleworks. Well, uh, that's a reference to the West Coast of the US. So that's the style of beer that we specialize in. That's where I'm from originally. Uh, and I'm trying to replicate some of those uh, West Coast style beers here in Australia. Um, we do a wide range of beers, so not just uh, West Coast US style beers, but um, that's kind of our, our specialty anyway. Can I just ask, before we before Travis leaps in with what I know is his next question, uh, Ada Pruel, what does that mean, just to add to the geographic confusion that uh, some people <laughs> might be feeling already? Yeah, so uh, my, my assistant brewer and the co-owner of uh, Ida Pruel is uh, Estonian and Australian. And so Ida Pruel means East Brew in Estonian. Um, and he, he loves kind of, well, I don't know if we want to get into the beer yet, but he loves uh, rye style beers uh, being from Estonia. That's very popular there. Uh, so this beer that we're going to try uh, is 100% rye malts. Uh, so it's a pretty unique beer, um, as well as being barrel-aged. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll wait until you guys want me to do the actual tasting notes. But um, Eda Pruel is basically a, an offshoot business from, from Westside Aleworks um, and something that we kind of stumbled in together, myself and Ben, my assistant brewer, and um, it's been a it's been a little bit over a year now since it's been going, and, and we just got a, a new home for it, uh, actually in North Melbourne, and we're doing all the brewing at Westside Works in South Melbourne, and then transferring the the work over to North Melbourne to age in barrels and ferment in barrels. Um, so that's kind of what's happening with the April anyway. Can you can you tell us where in North Melbourne? Not that I you know, say would be a councillor in the city of Melbourne and might feel the need to come around with my uh, tasting cup and make sure that it's in line with council regulations at random times. As long as you don't empty all of our barrels. Uh, in, that uh, case, don't, in that case, don't tell me where it is. <laughs> uh, we're we're kind of down um, at the end of Queensbury Street there, uh, but there's no there's no sign or anything, so you wouldn't we, you wouldn't know that we were there. It's an old old building, about ready to fall down, but. Uh, has some character and looks pretty cool with all the barrels in there. I, I love this geographical location chat that we have going on at the moment because I've quite often, quite often had a discussion with a colleague of mine on whether or not you guys are considered to be South Melbourne or if you're considered to be Port Melbourne. Um, you guys are sort of situated in this little area of South Melbourne that's surrounded by, I want to say, car repair shops but I, i'm not sure that's actually correct because the only time i've ever been there was after a christmas party um give it can you sort of and the reason i'm asking this is i think you guys are really unique within that area mm. tell us what the brewery and tap house kind of looks like um can you sort of describe it for our listeners yeah so it's it's evolved you know since we first opened in 2016 uh, we started out with just uh, six taps, myself working there, uh, no real food to speak of, and, you know, a very small, a little bit over 100 square meter warehouse. 
Um, and it's tucked away on a laneway where all the other warehouses on the other sides are on main roads. And just to the back of the warehouses kind of go down this little alleyway called Alfred Street where we're located on. So most business is not conducted on the, the alleyway itself. So it's, it's definitely hidden. Um, a lot of people who work around the corner don't know we're there until someone tells them we're there. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of evolved over the years. So uh, we, we slowly kind of outgrew our space uh, on Alfred Street, our first original space. And um, we were fortunate enough to secure a little bit of a larger warehouse um, just down the alleyway. So we still kind of remain true to the brand. Um, <laughs> actually, I see the background up there with Corey uh, right now. So that's that's now our new brewery where he's at, um, and it's it's the same concept, just on a little bit of a larger scale. So we we learned that people came into the brewery and they really like to try new things. So we experimented with making new batches all the time, um, and like on a, on a smaller scale of fifty liters. Um, so the the taps grew rapidly. And before you know it, you know, we're up to 10 and 12 and 15, and now we're at 31, but um, uh, well, a little bit over 20 are kind of dedicated to us and the other ones are uh, rotating guest apps from around the world. Um, we've got a bottle shop fridge uh, with kind of rare beers from around the world as, as well as our, our own. And then we do uh, American style pizzas, uh, fresh to order there on site. Uh, we make the dough in-house. We use our beer to flavor the dough. Um, we smoke our own bacon for the, one of the toppings on, on, the, on the pizzas. And uh, it's a pretty laid back, you know, relaxed atmosphere like you'd see in the West Coast U.S. for the, the breweries there. And, hey, um, Corey. Yeah. Oh, oh, is well, that going jumping for you before too. Warren gets to ask yeah, his please. questions then, because I'm going to say, but that just sounds fantastic. Normally, we yeah. sort of give people an hour or so to spruik, you know, why we should come and visit. But if, if that isn't the most action-packed, on-point, you That's, know, yeah. two-minute presentation of why coming to Westside is fantastic, I, can, I can't imagine what would be. It, I'm sorry, Warren. You were about to ask a question oh, I was, before I, I was move just on. about to ask. Is it? Yeah, well, it feels like that. This is this is essentially uh, Casey's man cave. Like it's it's just the place where where he would love to spend time, uh, like all his time there and presenting everyone with with like the great things that he he loves. Is that would that kind of partly? Yeah, be... I mean, that's that's definitely exactly how it you know originally started, and I think we've kind of we've kind of grown grown into like a more legitimate like brewery that's not just focused on on me um so I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit of both i mean obviously uh what i like is is presented to to customers but uh, a lot of times it's what they like that i'm, I'm making and listening to their feedback so don't, i learned don't. that um you know the beer that i may necessarily think is the best um you may not so uh, I, I try and brew what people like and to the best of my abilities uh, with the best ingredients that I can find. But um, yeah, no, we, we love to experiment and it, it, it's a, it is like a, a large band cave, I guess, in, in terms of uh, layout. But 
Uh, we try and make it uh, appealing to everyone. Um, don't get me wrong, Casey. When I said, yeah, it, like, it sounds like something you want to present, it just sounds awesome. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people would have similar views in terms of, yeah, 30, 35 taps and a, a fridge full of rare beers and pizzas and maybe smoking some stuff in the background sounds um sounds pretty pretty awesome. I I as, as someone that works in South Melbourne, when we can actually go to work and live a normal life, having been there a few times, it's one of those places that once you realise it's there, you're gonna keep going back. But if you don't realise it's there, you're you're kind of missing out on something. It's um the, I remember the first time I went there, it was not what I expected. It was um. Com- completely different, but we kept coming back. So, uh, how, how, as being a founder, Casey, how's that changed from sort of the starting point to where you are now? Um, I mean, it took several years before we had a regular trade. Uh, it was all word of mouth. Uh, I didn't have any money to advertise, um, and I didn't have any distribution really at all. So, uh, it took a lot of time before we got a steady kind of regular crowd. Um, now we kind of have our, our locals who know about us and, and, and coming on a regular basis. Um, and then when, when COVID's not around, you know, we're so close to the CBD that we capture a lot of uh, tourism as well, uh, especially the, the Americans traveling through because there aren't very many breweries, you know, inner city uh, CBD area. So we're, we're, we're walking distance from the convention center. So we're pretty lucky in that regard. And, um, it's, it's no mistake too. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to be close to the city because of that. And, um, our smaller scale kind of allows us to, to capture that audience that the larger breweries can't. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I think we've covered the backstory here. This is really cool. Um, the detail you've given is, is probably not something we get this early normally in the call room. I feel like we need to move on and actually start talking about the beer before uh, before I finish the beer. Um, this has gone down really, really well. Um, can you give us a bit of a, a rundown on your tastings of this beer, um, aroma to flavours? Uh, tell us what the listeners out there should be should be getting out of this. Well, I mean, to me, I just get a ton of rye bread on the nose as well as some some cherry, sour, sweetness. Um, it's a very unique beer in terms of being 100% rye grains. Uh, we also use a lot of toasted rye grains for kind of that color, a little bit of a darker color. Um, it's 100% spontaneous fermented, so we, we capture wild yeast and bacteria um in and around melbourne and, and victoria and we grow that that yeast up and then add it to the barrels so this is a, a truly uh spontaneous ferment um either pearl spends zero dollars on yeast so we're not we're not making that up uh in terms of spontaneous ferment um but uh this being 100 percent right it actually has some challenges too in, in the brewing process because it's so thick um, I remember the first test batch we did of this, I think it had more body than any beer I've ever had in my, in my life. Um, so that's definitely a unique aspect uh, to the beer is kind of that, that thickness that it has, um, which actually makes it a challenge to brew because it uh, doesn't allow for the, the, the water to trickle through during the sparge very easily. 
Um, and then we also chucked uh, heaps of dark rye bread into the mash um, to kind of aid in that, that flavor. Um, and then uh, being a, a spontaneous ferment, it actually tends to hold up pretty well to, to, to the souring cultures that are there. So it's more farmhousey um, than it is sour. Uh, which I think is pretty unique to this beer as well. Um, and yeah, just tons of, tons of body, tons of spice. And then um, this version of it, we also added uh, cherry puree to it. Uh, um, interesting. How many versions have there been before this one? Well, the, our main uh, beers for you to pull are our golden ale, the, the bronze, which this one is without cherries and the, the dark ale. Um, so we do variations on those three, but those are kind of our, our main uh, styles of beer that we brew for, for Edo Um So we've done like a, a mango golden. Um, we've done a, a Russian Imperial on whiskey barrels. So we're doing some other stuff too. We've got another golden coming out pretty soon. Uh, it's been aging on uh, Pinot Gris skins. Um, but uh, now that we have a home for Unipool, we're experimenting a lot more and, and making a lot of new stuff. So uh, those three beers are kind of the, the starting point for the brand. And then, um, you know, we'll branch out with uh, new versions and new, new, new styles soon. Uh, that's awesome. Um, we, we, we've got a great lineup tonight with the next two beers we're going to taste. Um, and we'll move on to the, uh, the Best Coast IPA uh, very, very soon. Um, but before we do, what was, where was the decision-making process on making this a starting beer for tonight? Boy, how did that all come about? Um, I, I typically say when you're, when you're trying beer, you should do low alcohol to high. Uh, I also do occasionally like a, a sour beer for a palate cleanser. Um, but the amount of hops that are in Best Coast uh, I think it kind of would have ruined the flavor of the, the cherry bronze if we had that one first. Um, and then the stout is our biggest beer, so it just makes sense to kind of last. Yeah, nice. Someone just asked in the Zoom room, I think it was Max, um, uh, how long it was aged for? Uh, this beer, well, we, we blend the barrels, so it's not any one barrel, um, but approximately around six months um, to eight yeah, months. Nice. There's a couple other questions that have jumped into it in the chat as well. Uh, a few of them more experienced brewers who, who uh, have joined us. Uh, we're asking about laudering the, um, the, the, Hundred percent rye. Um, yeah, and you mentioned how how thick it is. Um, yeah, is, does that present lots of issues for you? Um, yeah, uh, and Damo's asked how many how many bags of rice hulls have you used to? Do you we, use to- we we well, a lot of people probably don't know, but we brew on a, a browmeister setup, so we're, we're limited in the amount of grain that we can fit. Um, during our mash. Uh, so we actually don't have any rice holes at all, uh, which makes it more of a nightmare. Um, but the first time I brewed this beer, I was like, never again. I don't ever want to brew this again. It's just too hard. Um, but we've kind of learned some tricks on how to uh, get the water to actually penetrate through that, that thick gelatinous mash. Um, 
and kind of speed up the process a little bit, but it's, it's a lot of arm work. Um, we're a hundred percent manual by hand brewery. So, uh, I don't do a lot of exercising outside of the brewery, but I, I definitely break a sweat in the brewery. So that's, that's my workout every day is, is, uh, working hard in the brewery. Yeah, no, I, I said you, some... you mentioned that you, you know, uh, sourced uh, yeast from all around Victoria, not just where you are. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, we're tasting a little bit of Ballarat or a little bit of Warrnambool <laughs> here. And um, how, how, do you, um, how do you go about that process? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty unique in terms of how it's done. But we basically, we capture... Uh, yeast and, and grow it up from, uh, from various locations. There's uh, also uh, sometimes, you know, trees, we'll take samples from trees or, or uh, fruit or, you know, just different things that we find. Um, we, we started out on a very small scale and taste it. And if we like the fermentation where it's going, then we'll grow it and then add it to our barrels. Um, but not everything, you know, tastes great. Um, but it's, it's pretty unique in the way it's done. And then once that gets into the barrel, uh, a lot of those bacteria and yeasts are kind of living in the walls. Uh, so we, we can kind of repitch onto those barrels too. And something will start, you know, fermenting straight away, uh, and become dominant over time. So that blend kind of changes and periodically we'll, rinse the barrels out and start over with something new. Um, but it's kind of interesting to, to taste barrel to barrel and the differences that, that happen. Um, I know the first the first batch of uh, beer that we produced was the, the Golden Ale. And we blended, I think, uh, six barrels together. But each one was very unique in the, in the flavor that I was providing from those yeast and bacteria. So um, it was a pretty, pretty interesting to see um, what can happen variation-wise, barrel to barrel. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're going to move on to uh, the best coast IPA. I don't know how everyone else is going, but I've I've made yeah, my way through this. It, it's yeah. it's that cherry hit on the back is quite amazing. It's super smashable, and you're right on what you said. It's not that terribly sour note to it it's it's really well balanced it's it's quite amazing um i really I mean, like those those kind of it's it's got more than just that fruit cherry flavor there's yeah. a little bit of like tomato skin there like there's a yeah tomato leaf tomato skin there going on it's yeah it's it's kind of, it's fascinating it's yeah delicious and fascinating yeah, I'd be I'd be shocked if you uh, said you had something like it before. To me, it's the most unique beer that we probably make. And I was, yeah, I was about to say something very similar. Like, I, I'm not sure we've had a beer on the on the core room before that we started on at the beginning of the night that that has been like this. It is super unique, and I think uh, everyone in the Zoom room tonight will probably probably stand by that. Um, we are going to move on to the the Best Coast IPA, which I reckon is an awesome name. Um, Warren Wu is going to take the reins on this one. Um, Warren, over to you. Yeah, so unique, Trav, was probably a good word to, to jump in with this one. This beer isn't necessarily unique. I'm assuming it's a homage. But like it, it 
so am I right in saying it changes every time you brew it? There's a little bit that you you tweak or or yeah. What what's that? What's the aim of those changes? Why the changes? Uh, well, I think you know beer culture these days, people want to try what's new. Uh, so I was trying to think of a way where we could you know keep the same base on the beer, uh, but make it different every time. So uh, that's kind of why I decided to create a, a beer like this. And then our unique geographical location of, um, you know, Victoria, we have a lot of hop fields here. Uh, New Zealand's not too far away with some more. And, you know, the West Coast in the U.S. where I'm from, where the style of beer that we specialize in is from, uh, there's lots of good hops there as well. So I decided that I wanted to kind of showcase all of it. Um, so we pick two hops from uh, one of those three countries and uh, we showcase it in this beer. Um, I, I tend to pick the, the more aggressive uh, full flavored hops um, for the, the, the blends each time, but uh, each time it's been different. Uh, so th this time around it's, uh, it's uh, 2021 Galaxy and 2020 uh, Mosaic, which are both the, the freshest crop beer you can get. Um, and we're not we're not shy in how we add the hops um, for this beer. Uh, so it's got hops in it from the mash to throughout the boil, um, and several times during uh, fermentation. So um, it's got quite a bit of uh, hop character going on, and um, uh, always you know you kind of have that that same body and uh, flavor from the beer, but then the hops change. So people really like this beer in the tap room and it's, it's, it's pretty popular. And I think because it changes, uh, it, it kind of keeps people coming back to, you know, see what, what the next release is going to be like and what the flavor is. Um, is, is you mentioned how fresh, you mentioned how fresh that, um, Hey, Trevor, are you getting that too? Sorry. Yeah. Um, you mentioned how fresh the, those hops were. Um, that, that sounds like it's an important part from, from what I understand of this beer, that there, you want that freshness in there and that's it kind of what drives a lot of the changes in the beer. Yeah, so when I, when I first started the brewery, um, I was importing hops directly from Yakima Valley, Washington, uh, to the brewery. And... Um, it, it definitely provided a, a layer of freshness that I think some of the other breweries around at the time didn't have. Um, but now Australia is caught up with, with shipping and storing of hops properly. Um, and you can actually get really good American hops now locally here in Australia. So um, I've stopped importing directly myself and uh, have contracts here in Australia, um, but I'm still after you know the best quality that I can find um when i make the beer um so being a hop forward brewery that we are you know we have to have good hops or this is not going to work um so that, that's kind of what we what we look for and what we strive and uh in making our beer are you, are you you're saying that the american hops are, you source them locally here um do you find there's a difference between what you'd be importing from America in comparison to what you're are being grown here in Australia for the same hop? Well, what I mean like locally here, I mean imported still from 
from the yeah, US. Cool. Yeah. Um, but by an Australian company and sold by that company here. Um, but uh, the difference before was, I think, the storage here. Um, so when, when the Australian companies would import them from the US, they just wouldn't store them properly. Um, and it might be just an, an open bag rather than a sealed bag or not properly refrigerated. Um, so the, the, the quality is greatly improved in, in terms of how these companies handle the hops from start to finish. Has that been a bit of a recent thing for you yeah, guys? Yeah, I'll say the last couple, couple of years, yeah. yeah. Kind of when you saw the, the haze explosion in Australia, um, it was because people were taking care of hops finally, I think, too. Mm. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, on that, on that, as as someone who's been kind of has has done some home brewing and now now a commercial outfit, when you're brewing a beer like this, have you got any any advice for people who want to try a hand at the kind of a, a West Coast super hoppy beer themselves? Yeah, um, I mean, I I started out as a home brewer, so um, I know what it's like, and I still you know get excited about creating test batches, but. Uh, my main advice is, uh, you know, just to look for the best ingredients that you can find and then treat them with respect and, and know your process. Um, I think sometimes people will rush things uh, or maybe skip a step. Um, but, you know, if you spend all that money for the, the, the top uh, malts and the top hops and then you just don't treat them right, then uh, it's not going to come out well. So. I think it's, it's a combination of finding the best ingredients and then, uh, you know, being patient and doing the, the right process when you brew. Um, another kind of homebrew to, to professional brewer question. Um, so when, when was this, when in your head were you going to make this leap? Like, is this always been a part of you? Have you known forever that you wanted to, that you wanted to, to do your own, yeah, start your uh, own brewery? Um, no, I first brewed my first batch of beer when I was 16 and I hated it. Um, <laughs> and I, I swore that I would never brew beer again. Uh, I just, I went to one of those on-premise shops in Seattle, Washington in the States. And it was like a liquid malt extract and, you know, pick a recipe from a list of a thousand and, and the end product was pretty bad. Um, so I just thought all that effort for this, like, what's the point? Um, from then on out, I just started buying commercial beers and forgot all about brewing. Um, so I had, to, I had a caterer in my house and I just would go down to the Stone Brewing or Ballast Point in San Diego and buy a fresh keg. And I was always happy with that. Um, but one day I got a, a complete homebrew setup. I wanted an a online competition thing um and i just showed up at my door one day and so then i kind of started getting back into it and reading up on it and i've been homebrewing for oh, almost 10 years or so before i started this this business but um i just kind of was in a corporate job for a long time and and lost the passion there and had a really bad boss at the time here in melbourne um, and just kind of thought, what else can I do? And, and this idea kind of popped in my head and my partner was very supportive and, um, it's kind of started uh, laying the groundwork for opening up something small and, 
And um, yeah, that's how, that's how the brand, uh, I guess, came about. Um, as, as someone who... Ooh. Oh, there's something going on weird. With yeah, I don't know. Well, it happened to you before too, Trev. So let's Ooh. let's just not. <laughs> um, yeah, that is, that's really weird. I have no idea what's going on. Um, that's the first time that's going to happen too. It is oh, weird. All right. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Casey. Um, uh, as someone who's who's owned businesses and and knows other people who've owned businesses, uh, how is your and and had partners who were supportive in the beginning how still still very supportive still um, um i think i have more balance now in the, in the business than i did for for a while so um i'm no longer working seven days a week and very long hours um i'm still working a lot but there's more balance so i think in turn my family's um more accepting of what i do Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually probably improved if anything, uh, in terms of their support. Yeah, awesome. Um, can, can, sorry, Warren, can I just jump in there for a second? Yeah. Because I guess you know, my personal experience in hospitality has been that COVID has sort of changed, you know, my desire to be, you know, working at a pub or my desire to be at home and finding, you know, ways to work around that. Has that sort of been part of it for you as well that you found? ways to do a different sort of life balance and now yeah i mean i think that's that's one of the bright spots for me about about covid is i was able to spend more time with my family um kind of reconnect with them because you know the first we're coming up on our five-year anniversary in november but um you know the first few years was it was pretty challenging in terms of like my time um and it was nice to be able to reconnect with them um and then also for the business i mean we we the business model was always to be kind of a a local brewery um selling beer over the over the bar as opposed to wholesale but um we're now getting into wholesale because of all this because um you know our regular clientele can't come and enjoy themselves in the brewery right now so um one other bright spot we're getting out of this is we're actually getting a little bit of a uh, you know, a hold into the, the wholesale market that we didn't have before. So we, once we open back up, um, it'll be interesting to see how we kind of balance the, the wholesale and, and the, the beer demand for our customers in, in the tap room. Um, the, that leads us into the traditional cool room question uh, quite nicely, I think. So, so, not necessarily your cool room or your tap room or your hospitality business, but, but yeah, what's the strangest, weirdest, craziest, most amusing thing you've seen in a cool room or in a brewery or in a pub or in anything really just, yeah. Um, probably, uh, probably me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, three episodes in and i think that, that might be one of the classic responses we've ever had when we uh had our old spot uh, the cool room was quite small and i packed way too much stuff in there um but i can remember at times where we had kegs stacked three high and when i opened the door i can't actually walk in because there's kegs there uh, so i had to get on a ladder and I'd crawl on top of the the three stacks and then 
from there, we had uh, dough boxes uh, for the pizza. Um, so I had to like kind of shimmy over and grab a dough box and then shimmy out. I could grab something, swing my legs out to jump out. But um, I think uh, that was probably the craziest thing I, I did in the cool room is, is operate that way in that small um, space for so long. But uh, it kind of made me appreciate moving into a larger space and now we have a much bigger cool room, but I'm already wishing we had a, a larger one. But um, I only have the keg stacked too high in, in this one, so it's not not too bad. That's terrific. I love it. <laughs> I, I can totally relate to that. Except yeah, I can do. I had Mr. Griffiths in Kensington. We used to do both the uh, the beer and all of the ingredients for the food in the cool room. And so I'd go in early in the morning and set up the cool room how I liked it. And then all of the chefs had come in during the day and rearrange it all, which is, you know, let's be clear, far more critical to keep your lettuce, you know, at the absolute right temperature than, you know, your stout just long-term ageing in there. And, um, yep, I have climbed over. Um, Wolsey, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you disagree. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was just this contest over a very small amount of space and then moving to a bigger cool room, it just felt like you were playing in the big leagues. Yeah, for sure. Um, Do you reckon it's a good time to have a break, Travis? Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. I think now is a good time. Hopefully, everyone's taken their stout out of the fridge, so when we come back, it'll be perfect temperature. Casey, so we are we're on a roll here. We are going to come back and uh, and get into this uh, this stout, which David is going to lead us on. Welcome back to the cool room. We're here tonight with Casey. We're talking all things Westside Aleworks. Um, I have loved this conversation so far, uh, so much so that I've just been sitting back and letting the guys take the running with it. It's um, been some of my favourite beers that we've had in a long, long time. I'm yet to even pour the third beer that we have tonight, which is the Dan's Self-Doubt Stout. I'm going to do that as Casey introduces it to us. Casey, again, can you take us on a little bit of a guided tour of what it looks like as it pours, what the aromas we should be getting, what flavours, and then how it'll change in the glass as we go along. Yeah, sure. Um, so th this year's dance, well, every, every year it changes a little bit, but um, this year's dance um, was kind of more like the original year, um, which this beer is actually not barrel-aged, so I know a lot of people think it is, but... Um, we actually use a different technique where we introduce uh, freshly charred oak staves um, that have been soaked in bourbon um, into the, the fermenter. Um, so this beer is spent zero time in barrels. Last year was a barrel release, um, but this year is not. But anyway, my bad. I've probably influenced the whole room about that. So no, no, I just want people to know because a lot of people just assume that it's uh, barrel aged, but it's actually it's actually not. Um, but you should get a lot of oak flavor from this beer, I hope, um, and, and bourbon as well. Um, 
But uh, to me, I, I get a lot of uh, that bourbon and oak on the nose. Uh, some definitely some roasted malts. Um, I want to say a little bit of chocolate, but I get primarily espresso hits from it. Uh, chocolate more as it warms. Um, but uh, I tried to make this year's a little bit more sessionable than, than, than previous years. I know that's hard to do in a Russian Imperial Stout, but um, I have so many people who love this beer at the brewery and they always say like, I want to be able to drink it all day long. Um, and I, I try and explain that if I made it a 4% beer, that flavor level would drop. Um, so. Can, can you explain to like, long-term yeah. craft beer drinkers understand that, but can you explain perhaps for newer listeners? Sure. Why well, it is the well, flavor drops out like that? Basically you get your main alcohol from, from the malt. So. Um, if you if you lower the amount of malt, your your fermentable sugars are also going to lower and make a, a lower alcohol beer. But most of the flavor comes from the malt, um, so you're you're basically watering down the beer. Um, and in a Russian imperial stout, that's kind of the last thing you want to do. So it's still a pretty strong beer uh, in order to be a Russian imperial stout, but. I've made other batches that have been around the, you know, the 12 to 13% range. And this one's a little bit more manageable. Uh, we still make people drink it in a pot rather than a pint, but um, it's, it's a little bit lighter than, than other years. Um, I've kind of got to the point with this beer where uh, we probably won't barrel age it for the most part. Um, and we're actually officially making it um, a beer that we're gonna release in cans. So the beer that you guys have in cans uh, has never really been released for Dan's before. Uh, so it's, it's a hand written label uh, and you guys have the last of them. Uh, I actually had to get mine from the, the tap tonight in 500 mil <laughs> because we don't have any cans in the brewery, um, like the ones that you have anyway. So. Uh, I, I'm getting a new label made for it as we speak, um, and uh, next year it'll be similar to this, um, maybe slightly stronger, I don't know, I'll go back and forth on it, but uh, the people who really like it and come to the brew on a regular basis, uh, they, they always let me know like which years they preferred over others, and I've kind of tweaked it over the years to, to their standards. Can I just ask, because we, we love our can design and our label design questions here, and we haven't touched on that at all, We a little bit in the chat, but there's just some amazing designs you have. But when you sit down and start to think about what the design for this label will be and, you know, really making it as a can label forevermore, how do you go about that process? Who does the label design? What do you bring to the party? And... How much artistic license do you, do you let the guys have? Um, well, we, we've kind of just redesigned the brand. Um, so like the electric socks and the best coast that you guys have in the pack uh, have been just newly designed. And with, with the new design, I'm trying to incorporate more of a West Coast US vibe. And I kind of feel like some of our, our traditional labels didn't quite capture that. Uh, so I'm trying to 
invoke more of West Coast, you know, scenery, um, U.S. scenery and landmarks and things like that. Um, for Dan, self-doubt stout, uh, I'll try to keep the story short, but basically he was an employee named Dan and I used to make test batches. I still do, but test batches for employees. And I asked Dan, I said, you know, what, what do you want me to brew for you? He said, a Russian Imperial Stout, it's my favorite style of beer. And he said, he said, call it Dan's Self-Doubt Stout because I have a lot of self-doubt in my life. And that's what I want you to name it. And I'm like, sure. And so I went and did a test batch. Um, everyone liked it. So I just kept doing it year after year. Um, but that's kind of where the name comes from anyways. But uh, for a label, uh, I actually came up with the idea to use Joshua Tree uh, National Park in the, in the States, which some people may not know much about that, but it's basically a, a desert park where they have these uh, Joshua Tree um, plants and people kind of go there to meditate, ponder life, uh, or just enjoy the desert landscape. But I figured someone with a lot of self-doubt in their life might go to Joshua Tree National Park. So the label's gonna have a little picture of Dan at uh, Joshua Tree. Um, but uh, yeah, so with our labels, it's, it's now being done by um, uh, a lady in Japan. And she also does the artwork for Ada Pearl. Um, most of the West Side Works ones are, are photos, not drawn art, but all the Ada Pearl are, are hand-drawn art by uh, the graphic designer in Japan. That's, um, just like the beers themselves, can I just say that that answer was even more interesting and more exciting than mm -hmm. I had thought when I wrote it out. I mean, that's an amazing story. Uh, yeah. and I just oh. cannot wait to drink that beer the whole Joshua Tree dance thing. I think it's just going to be amazing. I think it's a great crossover. We don't, we don't have uh, large wings of the company that handle advertising and graphics and things like that. So it's a collaborative effort to the employees that we do have and, and to my family as well. But um, it's kind of a, a joint thing, I guess. But um, I think my, my daughter too, I actually involve her quite a bit because she has a really good artistic eye. Uh, so she usually tells me which versions of the labels to go with on, on the final cuts. So it's, a, it's just truly a, a all hands on deck um, thing to decide which labels to go with. And can you just talk a little bit more? Because again, I've been asking or writing the questions this afternoon for Mast Landing, uh, who I can't wait to interview because their labels look amazing. But they're so different and disparate that it's very hard at times perhaps to get a, a clear line through of what the branding looks like. And you're talking there about sort of rethinking some of your central branding. How's that gonna, how's that gonna work? Um, well, like I said, I mean, we, we specialize in, in uh, kind of West Coast uh, US style beers. So uh, I just wanted to give people the, the sense that that's what they were drinking when they picked up the can. Um, and, and not just that, you know, we're a brewery in South Melbourne, but we also are a brewery in South Melbourne with roots from the West Coast of the US and, and to expect a different experience when you, when you drink the beer. Um, so that, that's kind of what our idea was for, for changing the branding. And to be honest, we didn't have much, much branding strategy for a long time. So uh, this is kind of, 
this is kind of new to us. Um, and we've finally been able to afford a little bit of a, a fancier design and, and something that does the brand a little bit more justice than the, the previous stuff. My other little question, I was going to ask it earlier on uh, when you were talking with Trav, but when you talk, you spoke very early about sort of having Americans coming to the brewery and because uh, it's nice and centrally located. What's their take on some of the traditional American styles and, and their take on some of the iconography that you're using? Is it like, it's fantastic that you're doing it here or do you sometimes get a bit of pushback and go, you know, well, that doesn't taste like it would in Washington this afternoon if I was, you know, sitting at some of the breweries you mentioned earlier on. Um, maybe I get most of the happy customers, but uh, <laughs> most of them just say like, oh, you know, this tastes like home or um, this, this has the right flavor. So, I mean, part of it is just that, you know, we're using those ingredients. Um, I think most Australian breweries use all ingredients or mostly local ingredients, but not necessarily more U.S. ingredients. But um, I think, you know, we kind of try, try and channel uh, the U.S. experience. We use a lot of U.S. ingredients uh, for those styles of beer. But um, like I said, we like to experiment and make all different styles and uh, have something for everyone. So, uh, but yeah, most of the tourists, I think, are pretty excited to try something that tastes like home and maybe they've had a you know a vb and thought it was going to be like an english bitter but it was not an english bitter and it tasted like vb um, and they're happy to try something with the actual flavor in it uh that's a that's a beautifully put together sentence it's almost <laughs> diplomatic that's what i like about that it's almost diplomatic yeah. uh you were saying there about the style you've you've in the three beers alone that we've had and talked about tonight, the styles that you've hit just absolutely on the mark have been amazing. The six pack that is part of the uh, Cool Room Shopify offering, um, even more so, just six quite different, distinct and exciting beers. And um, I know we've got a few Cool Room questions in the chat. Uh, Travis is going to lead us through those. Uh, folks, it's one of the best things about being in the Cool Room is that you can either type or ask your questions directly to owners and brewers. Uh, like Casey, um, very rarely do you get a chance like this. So if you're listening to the podcast version, please come and join us on a Thursday night. Uh, and um, Trev, you're going to lead the way through the, uh, through the questions. Uh, yeah, thank you, David. Um, Casey, one of the interesting questions that came up on this beer, um, uh, Michael in the call room just asked, where does the bourbon flavour come from and uh, why can he taste it? Uh, what are you using to get that across? Uh, for this, this particular batch, we've used different whiskies and bourbons um, in the past, but this particular batch that you guys are tasting tonight um, has Maker's Mark bourbon that uh, was used uh, to soak on those oak staves. So uh, it sits on the oak uh, for, I don't know, probably close to four months. Um, and then we take all that and add it into the, the finished kind of fermented beer uh, and the stainless steel. So that, that kind of brings all that barrel flavor together, um, even though it actually wasn't in a barrel. Uh, but that, that whiskey flavor, that bourbon that you're getting is uh, Maker's Mark. 
Awesome. That's actually really cool. I, I, I like that. That's um, it's quite good. Uh, the other question we had uh, was from Max uh, in, the, in the Zoom room. Uh, he said, when trying to keep hoppy beers to a West Coast style, does changing the hops to Australian or New Zealand hops make that difficult? Um, I don't know about difficult, but it definitely makes it a little bit more unexpected. I think when I first started brewing in Australia, I was very used to the the U.S. you know stuff, types of hops. Um, so it's kind of more of a uh, experiment, I guess, when I use hops from um, Australia or New Zealand, I'm not familiar with. Um, but I think, you know, if you use them in consistent places in, in, the, in the brewing operation and, and after fermentation, um, usually you can maximize those. And I, I try to do as much research as I can on the hops before I, I pick them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's more of a more of an experiment, I guess, than anything else. But um, uh, I'm definitely enjoying trying more and more Australian and, and New Zealand hops. And I just got a new contract for some more New Zealand hops uh, this week. So we'll be featuring them more and more in future batches. Um, well, there was that feedback thing. Um, Guy, uh, uh, Casey, can we, before we wrap up, where are things headed for Westside Works? Like, obviously you guys have been in the same lockdowns as the rest of us for the, however many days it's been. Um, what's, what's next to you guys? Where, where do you see things headed? Um, well, I'm hoping we get back to kind of where it was before lockdown in terms of, you know, having regular crowds in the brewery. I think that'll be nice. Um, you know, we, we went from having eight employees to two during this last lockdown and it's been, it's been pretty rough. Um, uh, but hopefully getting more of our, our team back together again. Um, and then because we're now dabbling in the wholesale market, you know, hopefully we get more exposure uh, to, to get people to try our brand and then hopefully seek us out and come try us at the source. Um, so I think that's probably where you get the best experiences coming into the brewery and, and you know, having some friendly service and, and uh, trying all the beers that we have on tap. Um, uh, I think hopefully that's kind of where we're going. And then we're looking to, you know, kind of expand a little bit more, but probably stay in the, in the same space. So just mainly uh, production-wise expand uh, slightly more. But other than that, uh, we're also kind of getting into the spirit world. Um, and I don't mean ghosts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've got our, our first barrel of whiskey that we distilled. Um, that'll be ready probably in a little bit less than a year. Um, and it's, it's going to be a very unique release uh, in terms of it's going to honor some of the, the U.S. heritage. It's not going to be a bourbon, but it's going to be a, kind of a blend of, of four different malts. Um, but I'm really looking forward to how people perceive that. Um, and then we're going to kind of go back and forth with some of our, our beers and spirits. So we're going to uh, share some barrels between um, our spirits and then uh, our beer and, and back and forth. Uh, we're also making some gin. Um, and what else? Well, 
that's about all I can think of right now. But um, we're we're trying to you know keep things fresh and keep things exciting and and listen to the feedback and and make uh, what the people want. That's uh, I think that's a that's a pretty good place to finish up on and um hopefully coming out of covid you can you know get things back on back on track on from where they were i i'd love to come down and record a podcast uh with david and warren at the brewery because i think it's one of the the most unique places going around that area in relation to south melbourne port melbourne area it's uh cool. yeah. you know, it's a cool spot it's it's mm. it's really good um guys we we have a bunch of stuff coming up in the call room over the, the next month or so. But before we get onto that, uh, Casey, can you tell everyone where they can find you, whether that's social media or coming out of lockdown, the, the tap room, throw out all your information so we can put it in the show notes and, and make sure people can come, come past and have a beer. Yeah, sure. So we try to keep everyone up to date on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. So definitely follow us on those channels. Um, and then, you know, locally in South Melbourne, we're still open. We're turning through our roller door uh, Thursday to Sunday, 2 to 7. Uh, we'll have expanded hours after lockdown's over, but we're still doing quite a bit of takeaway for anyone who wants it. Um, we're packaging from our 30 taps still, so... We actually have all all 30, uh, 31 flowing at the moment. Uh, so come check those out. And um, trying to think what else. Uh, that's all I can think of right now. Wow, that that's that's, that's cool. Good. If you're in the <laughs> if you're in the 15 kilometer radius of yeah. South Melbourne, get on down and get some tap beer. I mean, that's yeah, gotta do it. And now that the 15 kilometer radius has happened in Melbourne, it's it's the prime opportunity to get out to all those places that you you haven't been able to get to over the last couple of months and and support the local businesses and and uh, the local breweries out there. Um, guys, like I said, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up with Mars Landing on Saturday and Fine Stefan next Thursday. Uh, as David mentioned, there's there's trivia and a bunch of stuff. Make sure you check out the Core Room Facebook page because you'll find all the information you need on that page. Um, Casey, thank you very much for joining us. We are going to make sure that we totally promote and push out your stuff because coming out of lockdown, people are going to need the, the beer intake and uh, you guys definitely are in the right right position to to make that happen uh it's been an awesome night thanks man yeah thanks for having me and congrats again on the, the 100 episodes it's really cool um but yeah come and film uh, or not film but record a, a podcast in the brewery whenever you want we Thank would uh we would totally be into that wouldn't we david absolutely no no couldn't be happier sounds good uh the zoom room will remain open as always no, no uh, one's appreciated any of the names I've given the breakout rooms tonight either. I put a lot of thought and effort into that. Like, you know, there, there you go, guys. If you're if you're listening to the podcast after the fact, get into the Zoom room because you'll see all the crazy names that David gives to the breakout rooms where you can go and have a drink with your mates. So, I'm off to the snail works. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, Casey, thank you very much for joining joining us in the call room, mate. We'll definitely come past and see you at the end of uh, the current lockdown. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Cheers.